Listen, there are so many things that are warring for our attention, right? Every single day in the world. There's a lot of different ideologies. There's a lot of different beliefs. There's a lot of different worldviews. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then then you've got to know that our worldview, uh, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, our worldview is filtered through a gospel lens. It's, 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 and that gospel lens is directly contradictory to so many other beliefs. You've got to understand that. If, if you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then our, our, the way we view the world uh, through that gospel lens is contradictory to the way so many others view the world. I hope you guys understand that. Now, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a temptation. And that temptation is to yield the truth to please others or to calm tensions. You, you don't want any tensions. You don't want any to get into arguments or debates. And the temptation is to yield what you know as truth and, and to kind of like, you know, back it down, water it down, not say the whole truth. Because ultimately what we believe, what is core to the gospel, is the fact that we do not and we cannot save ourselves. That's what's core to the gospel. That we are sinful by nature and choice. And that's very, that's very offensive to many. That's core to the gospel. We cannot save ourselves. That we are sinful by nature and choice. But that in that hopelessness, a loving and a merciful God enters our world in order to redeem, in order to forgive, in order to transform and to make a new creation out of us. And this message to a world that is self-centered, to a world that is selfish, is extremely offensive. And you need to understand that. It's a very offensive message. This message is offensive to the religious and the irreligious, to both sides, right? The religious person believes that they can earn their way to God and salvation by their good works. That's what the religious person believes. The irreligious person may believe that maybe there is no God. So it doesn't matter how you live your life. Or if there is a God, he's far, he's distant, and he's a benevolent God. So honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I do with my life or how I live. He's going to forgive me and love me anyway. So you guys see, for the religious or the irreligious person, the message that we cannot save ourselves, but that God does is very offensive. And as a result, many want to preach a message of tolerance, a message of tolerance, Because since the gospel is offensive at its core, then why not adopt a more tolerant message? Because after all, nobody wants to be viewed as hateful, as intolerant, or as a bigot, right? Nobody wants to be viewed as those things. So you might get bamboozled into adopting someone else's more tolerant worldview in light of pleasing others. You may even adapt the gospel message to make it mean something less offensive, right? For example, Jesus is the only way and whatever else you believe is okay too, right? Jesus is, but Jesus is the only way, but it's okay. Whatever you believe, that, that falls in line as well. Or Jesus paid for your sins and you can earn your way to heaven through charity and good deeds and just being a good, good person. Do you guys see how those two things are contradictory? If we're completely honest, surrounded in our world and culture, it can be very easy to mold what we hold dear and what we hold true to the rest of culture's beliefs. And in so doing, we compromise the most important message 
known to mankind, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you remember the last time you had a conversation with a friend, with a family member, with a coworker, and the topic of your faith and your beliefs came up? Right? About what you believe. Do you remember the pressure that you felt in that conversation to either lean one way or the other? Right? You may have felt that conversation. Let me ask you a question. Did you compromise in that conversation or did you hold firm to your beliefs? Did you hold firmly to your beliefs? Did you compromise? Did you use that opportunity to share the gospel? You see, guys, today we're beginning a brand new series. It's called Fake News. No, I'm not talking about Donald Trump, okay? That's not that's why you came to church today. That's not what the series is about. We're, over the next few weeks as a church, we're going to begin working our way through the book of Galatians. Now, if you have your Bible, the Bible split up into two parts. It's Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is all about uh, man's fall and God's redemptive plan start taking action to redeem mankind. The New Testament is all about the fulfillment of that promise in Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, you have the Gospels. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are probably the most popular books in the New Testament that maybe you all may know of. Uh, and, and those are the historical books, the stories of Jesus, His life, death, and resurrection. And then a good portion of the rest of the New Testament is a bunch of letters or epistles, is what some call it as well. And these letters were written by various authors, but they comprise a big part of the New Testament. That's what Galatians is. We say the book of Galatians, but it's not actually a book. It's a letter that was written to a group of churches in a city. Okay, that's, that's what that is. That's what Galatians is. And here's the overarching big idea of this book. I know it can be difficult. If, if you're not used to studying the Bible and, and you're not quite sure how to navigate, it can be a little bit difficult to kind of really understand what are the themes or, or you know, to really grasp the main idea of a particular book. So I want to help you. In your notes, it's this. This is the big idea. The whole book of Galatians is kind of centralized around this, that there is only one good news. And all other gospels are fake news. There is only one good news. And all other Gospels are fake news. That's the big idea of the book of Galatians. So, today, here's what we're going to do. To intro our series, I just want to answer three questions. That's it, okay? I'm going to answer these three questions. We're entering the book of Galatians, and then we'll continue to take a deeper dive next week. Here's the three questions that I want to answer. Who was the letter written by? Who was it written to? And why was it written? That's it. Those, those three questions. This is the intro to Galatians. Who was it written by? Who was it written to? And why was it written? All right, so the first fill in the blank in your notes, if you guys notice, usually I have point one, two, and three. Today I don't have that. It's just one sentence. We're going to kind of unravel it throughout the message. The first fill in the blank there, Galatians was written by Paul. Galatians was written by Paul. That's the author of the, this letter, the letter of Galatians. Now, we're going to talk about Paul a lot during this series. And in the weeks to come, we're going to really kind of develop his character a little bit, get to learn a little bit more, because he's going to take time to defend his authority to share uh, why he's sharing what he is. In the next couple verses, in the rest of chapter 1, some of chapter 2, he's going to really defend who he is and why he's allowed to speak into the lives of the church in, uh, in, in Galatia. So I don't want to talk about too much detail about Paul because we'll dive deep in the next couple of weeks. But what you need to know about Paul is that he was a religious zealot. This guy was a religious zealot who hated and persecuted Christians. In fact, before he was Paul, his name was Saul. That was his name. And he would persecute Christians. And what I mean by persecute, I don't mean 
nasty posts on Facebook. I mean, he would try to get them locked up, jail, and dead. That's what he would do. He persecuted them. In fact, he was present at the first martyr, the first recorded martyr in the New Testament. He was there at the stoning of Stephen, who was a deacon in the New Testament. And they stoned him because he proclaimed Jesus as Lord. And guess who was there? Paul. Paul was present at his... his but in his red-hot pursuit, as essentially a terrorist, essentially is what he was, by murdering and sentencing Christians, Paul has a radical encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. He has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And after this encounter, his life is radically changed and radically transformed forever. He goes from being a persecutor of Christians to making disciples of Jesus. Can you imagine that turnaround? He goes from persecuting, locking up, and killing Christians to making Christians, right? What a turnaround. He goes from putting an end to Christian churches to planting and starting new churches. It's amazing. And one of the cities that he travels to, and he had a quite a huge uh, impact, as you guys can imagine, is Galatia. Paul travels to Galatia. He, he builds meaningful relationships there. Uh, the people that were in the churches that he's writing to, they, were, they attended the churches that, that Paul started. And he perhaps even evangelized maybe and even discipled them himself. There was a real personal connection to the churches that he was writing. All right, so he wasn't writing to a random church in a random city. Paul walked the streets of Galatia, spoke to the Galatians, shared the gospel with them, and then started a church with them there. So he's writing to some dear friends that he's writing to. Now, what we learn from the life of Paul is that no one is too far from God's grasp. No one is too far from God's grasp. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your past. God can rescue. God can redeem. And he can radically transform your life for the better. I don't care who you are in this room. You're not too far from the grasp of God. Listen, Paul was extremely religious, but he was extremely far from God. And, although, and, and though in his mind, he thought he was keeping the letters of the law, he thought everything he was doing was pleasing God. He was very much disconnected from the God he thought he worshipped. You might be here today, and you might be very religious. You're, you're generous with your money. You give to charity. You, you, you give to ministries. You read your Bible, and you've even memorized Bible verses. Hey, you drink out of a coffee, a Christian coffee mug. You wear Christian t-shirts, and, and you listen to Christian music. You may be very religious, but you might be lacking a personal relationship with God through Jesus' redemptive work on the cross. That's where Paul was. Paul was religious, but he was very far from God. And this is one of the things that Paul is going to argue throughout this letter to the Galatians. He's going to say, hey, you guys, ha you guys like to keep the rules. You like to keep the regulations. And you think you need to do that in order to be saved, in order to be forgiven, and to be welcomed into the family of God. But you're wrong. That's what he's going to say to them. You're wrong. That's fake news. That's not good news. Others of you here today, you may feel an immense amount of guilt. You may feel an immense amount of shame. You have lived, or maybe you're living, a life riddled with sin, and, and you're overwhelmed by the weight of that sin. You might even find yourself surrounded, even right now, in the consequences of those poor decisions that you've made. And you have thoughts like, how could God ever love somebody like me? I feel so dirty. I feel so ashamed. How could I ever be forgiven? And what we learn from Paul's story is that God is willing and he can forgive anyone. It doesn't matter your past. No matter how deep of a hole you've dug yourself in, God can save you. And God wants to save you. 
Paul was a murderer and a persecutor. Do you think he has some regrets? Do you think after he came to know Christ, after Jesus appeared to him and he surrendered his life to Jesus, you don't think he had flashbacks about the day they saw the stones, when he saw the stones being cast at Stephen, as they killed him right before his eyes? Do you think he had any regret? He lived a hypocritical life. And what's worse is that he justified his actions in the name of religion, in the name of God. But even Paul was unable to outrun God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. And neither can you. If you're here today, and if there's breath in your lungs, there's still a chance for you to experience God's mercy and God's grace. God's uh, Galatians was written by Paul to the churches in Galatia. Galatians was written by Paul to the churches in Galatia. That's the next fill in the blank there. And, and Galatia was one of the many cities that Paul visited among his missionary and church planting journeys. And when he went, as I mentioned early, he would reason with the people there. He would have conversations. He would go to the bodega. He would, you know, visit them in their house, knock on their door, and spend time with them, drink cups of coffee with them. And he would reason with them and, and spend time with them and build relationships with them. And then he would share the gospel with them. And he would spend time and he would disciple them there. And then out of that, a church was birthed out of that. So imagine, he would have very meaningful relationships and connections there. And as you can imagine, it's like birthing a baby, right? These Galatians were like his babies. He grew them, he taught them the gospel. He spent time with them. A church started because of his time with them there. Can you imagine how much he cared for them? They're like his babies, like his spiritual children. He was specially invested in them. And we're going to continue to look into this in the weeks to come. And we're going to get a lot more specifics about the exact details of why Paul is writing this letter and what are the things that he's addressing. But in a nutshell, I won't, I won't keep you uh, waiting. In a nutshell, Paul had preached the truth of the gospel to them, but they were now being influenced by another religious sect to adapt the message of the, to adapt the, message of the gospel they had heard and received. All right, so another religious sect came in and they started adding on to the gospel message that Paul had left with them. And it was confusing the church in Galatia. And they began to mix some of these religious beliefs in with the original gospel message. The believers in Galatia were being told that they had to keep certain Old Testament law in order to truly be saved. So they said, hey, you see these things in the Old Testament, in the, in, in the Bible, uh, you have to do these things. You have, if you don't do these things, you're not saved. That's what they were being told. In other words, the message that they were sharing was not that you are saved by grace alone, in faith alone, in Christ alone, which is what we believe. But they were saying, sure, it's all of that, plus keeping these certain Old Testament customs and procedures. And by the way, fellas, for those, those of you guys in here, it was a painful thing they had to keep. I'll talk, we'll talk more about it you know, later on, especially for the guys. But they were saying, you had to keep the letter of the law in order to be saved. Now the application for us is simple. It's very easy for us to get fooled into adopting some sort of other news other than the good news, right? It's so easy for us to get fooled because after all, there's so many religions, there's so many other worldviews, there's so many other ideologies warring after the simple gospel truth. And if we're not careful, we too can be bamboozled into accepting a false gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to be careful. A couple summers ago, I was, we were at an outreach, right? It was a block party. Uh, with our friends at the Cooper Street Block Association. They were doing a, a, a block party. They always invite us to come and to set up a table and to give things out. You know, So we love to, you guys know, we love to give things out. So we had bottles of water and we had granola bars or whatever. We were inviting people to church, having conversations. 
a, a religious lady came to me, and, uh, and I got into a conversation with her, and I think she was very well-meaning. I don't think she came in to be, you know, mean or in any way. She was very well-meaning when she came in, I think, but she was religious. And the conversation we had when something like this, she thought that we absolutely have to keep Saturday as our Sabbath. That was the conversation she came to talk with me about. She said, oh, you're a church? Oh, do you keep the Sabbath on Saturday? That's how she started the conversation. And, and she thought, you have to keep the Sabbath on Saturday. And, it, and if we didn't do that, we were in direct disobedience to God. And to her, this was a salvation issue. I shared with her what Jesus said in the scriptures. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Those are Jesus' words. And then I told her that even Jesus was accused of breaking the Sabbath. And then she couldn't say anything back. You know, she didn't quite, I guess she didn't read that part of the Bible, right? She was confused. She stood speechless. You see, just like the Galatians are, were fooled to accept other false gospels, and listen, the same way we can be fooled, we're tempted to pursue other false gospels, this lady was erroneously following and putting her faith in a false gospel. Anything other than salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone is a false gospel. Anything else added onto that message falls short. Lastly, why was Galatians written? This is the last fill in the blank there. Galatians was written by who? Paul. To the churches in? Yes. To remind them of the true good news. To remind them of the true good news. Listen, you guys all know this. There's a big difference between something authentic and something counterfeit, right? How many of you, by a show of hands, have you ever held a fake bill, like a cash? Have you held a fake? All right, I'm not going to ask why so many of you have. Okay, a lot of you raise your hands. We won't get into that. We'll have a conversation later. But if you ever felt, if you ever felt a, a counterfeit bill in a real, they feel different, don't they? Right? Maybe it looks somewhat similar. Sometimes not even. Sometimes the color's a little off or whatever. But when you touch it, there's, like you could tell, it's a fake bill, right? It, it feels fake. Or what about this? Have you ever uh, had a fake chain, a fake jewelry? Anybody's ever had that? Uh, I know. I went to high school. I used to get those, excuse me, those cheap like five, ten dollar chains or whatever. This this chain I have on, you guys can't see it here. This was given by my uncle. This is like 24 karat gold, and uh, and I treasure it because he gave it to me. It was his, um, and and this is real. I shower with this and everything, and it's, and it's still gold. But if you have a fake one, guess what happens? Yeah, it leaves a green mark on your neck. Anybody's ever had that? You have the green on you. If you have a fake a ring, it leaves green on your finger, right? It starts to rust. You have, you have you've ever had fake? Oh, no, no, you guys all have the real deal, right? Yeah, you guys are all super rich. But anyway, but if if you've ever had fake, you know, jewelry, it leaves a green mark, and then it begins to rust. The gold paint disappears because it's a counterfeit. It's fake. Over time, the jewelry just begins to, to rust, and then the paint just disappears. You see, the churches in Galatia have been offered a counterfeit gospel, okay? It, it may have looked similar to the real deal. Uh, it may have been based on the real thing, but at its core, it wasn't the real deal. It, it was a counterfeit. You see, Paul presented to the believers in Galatia the pure gospel. He presented them the real deal. The churches in Galatia were founded upon the pure gospel. But over time, the gospel message had become polluted with another message that was contrary to the gospel. 
And we're going to talk about exactly what that looked like in the next weeks. But just understand that they were polluting the truth, the pure form of the gospel with this false gospel. And I believe the application for us is simple. And that is to beware of counterfeit gospels. Beware of messages that we may become exposed to which are wrapped in gospel clothing. But underneath the disguise is actually a counterfeit. And guys, this is important. You got to be careful with what you're reading. You know, like, you know, what you're listening to, what podcasts you listen to, and what televangelists you watch on TV. Because a lot of it are false, counterfeit gospels. It looks like it. You know, he's wearing a shiny suit, pinstripe suit and shoes, and he says Jesus a lot, but it's a counterfeit gospel. It's disguised as the truth, but it's not. And that's why we need to be so careful on what we listen to, what we, what we read, what we consume. And in, far, in regards to, you know, Christian, uh, you know, products or, or reading or, or blogs or whatever, we got to be careful. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, Danny, that sounds serious. If it sounds serious, it's because it is. It is very serious. And maybe you're asking yourself, all right, Danny, I don't want the counterfeit. I want the real deal. What is it? Let me explain it to you one more time. The good news is this, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel in its purest form. The gospel has nothing to do with you or your ability to save yourself. It has everything to do with a loving, merciful, and kind God who reached down to rescue his creation. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. That's it. And so, if you're here and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, put your faith in Him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. To accept the gospel in its purest form. Maybe you heard a counterfeit gospel that said, do X, Y, Z, do A, B, C, keep the rules, the regulations, do this or that, and then you can be saved. Then don't receive that gospel. Receive the true gospel. That God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son to pay the punishment for your sin. You don't have to pay for yourself. Jesus did it for you. He died on the cross in our place. They buried him in the tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan, sin, and death. So that he can now in, he can intercede on our behalf. And whoever puts their faith in him can have forgiveness of sin and newness of life. And all you have to do to receive that free gift, put your faith in Him. You don't have to fix things. You don't have to get things done. You just have to put your faith in Him. And anybody that tells you otherwise, it's a counterfeit gospel. So if you want to make that decision, that's between you and God. All right? I'm not going to force you, make you do anything. That's really between you and God. And as a church, we just want to come around you, support you, encourage you, and help you as as. We try to figure this out together, and we try to walk this out together as a church, as a family. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, thank you so much uh, for an opportunity to to dive into the book of Galatians this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify uh, those um, false gospel messages, uh, Lord, and help us to put our faith and trust in the one true message of Jesus Christ, not in our ability to save ourselves, not in keeping the letter of the law, not in good works or being a good person, uh, 
but God, in who Jesus is. Uh, Lord, help us see our need for you. Because it all begins there. Help us see our desperate need of a Savior. And then help us receive you as that. Um, God, I just thank you that you've provided a way you know, for us. And I pray as we continue to study the book of Galatians in the weeks to come, that uh, you would just help us have open minds and hearts uh, just to understand, receive, and apply, um, God, all that is being done. Uh, Lord, I pray we may receive everything in love, God. As uh, That's the way you communicate to us. That's the way you talk to us, God, in love. Uh, because you love us dearly, God. So much so that you sent your one and only son to die in our place. And so, God, the only reasonable response is to surrender our lives wholly to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.